Nestled deep within the heart of Yorkshire lies a rum so smooth that once it passes your lips, you will never look back again. Combining the smooth tones of sweet fresh ginger, rich treacle and a lick of Yorkshire honey, Absolute Bedlam are proud to be partnered with the true Angel of the North. Two Lasses Spirits. Use code Bedlam UK at checkout. Good evening and welcome to a in-person edition of Absolute Bedlam Podcast. Done 170 Zoom calls, I reckon. The first one ever in person. I've got Mr. DK Pike on the podcast tonight, and we're here to promote his book, Foville. Is that the correct? pronunciation of the book yes yes nice. it is nice. sorry real quickly of course i just realized i'm on mic number two all right just so you know yeah yeah that's fine <laughs> i'm just because i'm still used to being mic number one there you go john mic number two fantastic yeah so foville i mean it's <clears throat> french it means fake city yeah and believe it or not actually i wrote it when i was living in bordeaux in 2017 uh france in itself is its own little little um tangent in itself because I decided one day I wanted to learn the language, mm. right? I'm like, oh, well, then I'll speak French. No, literally like 20 years of age, right? I didn't care at school, right? Because our French teacher was a, a Glaswegian woman up yeah. north, right? She's like, that kid sit down, je m'appelle. <laughs> right? I ain't learning nothing from that lady, right? And she was a good teacher though, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, so I didn't care for French at school. I remember even saying to Sean at the time when we were in class together in year yeah. nine, I was like, why are we learning French? When am I ever going to need to learn French? Mm. So we get to, um, I'm after seeing my dad one time, I'm walking through St. Pancras. You ever been over there? Yeah, I've been to a couple of places over in um, France, like sort of holiday parks and not really knowing what the hell's going on because I was like seven. Yeah. But, no, what I mean yeah. is the, the St. Pancras train station. Oh, no, no, I haven't been there. Right. No. So you've got the Eurostar there and you, you sometimes you'll hear the Tannoy speaking in French. And I yeah. heard it speaking French, didn't know a word it was saying. And I was like... I want to learn that language. Yeah. Just had it in my head at that point. Right. I'm going to do it. And got some French lessons, got a passport off to Montpellier, met my mate Manu, who's now my editor, yeah. my books and all that. And uh, it was a struggle, but eventually, before you know it, I'm living there, come up with this idea, Fauville. Nice. So if you say it in French, it's a Fauville, but... Fauville. Nice. It was actually Sean that started calling it Fauville. I was like, that actually sounds better. Yeah. Thanks, Sean. I know a bit of French. I was quite interested in it as a subject. Um, but yeah, I remember saying to my French teacher, how do you say sorry? She was like, just suis désolé. Yeah. Désolé. She was like, why do you want to know that? I was like, in case I make a mistake in class. She's like, oh, you're such a cute person. Now I'm 33 <laughs> years old and I just don't give a shit anymore. So, uh, yeah, French has always been a language that I've wanted to learn. My favorite uh, French word is un quiproquo, right? Yeah. It means a, a misunderstanding. Oh, okay. Right. So I'd start fights just so I could go, c'était juste un quiproquo. No, nice, nice. I never start any fights. I like but the poisson. Is poisson, fish, yeah. yeah. Just the, it's kind of like a, the swear word, twat. It's got a twang to it, you know? Yeah, no, like I a, feel you. Yeah. So how long's the book been out? It's been out, it, 
It released on December, Christmas Eve 2021. And I made a massive mistake rushing it to production because I was, I, was, I was like a film executive. Yeah. We're going to hit that Christmas deadline. Yeah, yeah. One way or the other. My first book, right? And I had a proofreader who wasn't, she was clearly good at what she did, but she wasn't, she was the only proofreader I had in my vicinity. It was a friend of a friend who hooked me up, right? And she didn't, you know, anyway. Mm. So there were typos. There were mistakes mm. that I rushed through and I had to do a reprint three weeks later yeah. in January. It was embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, I, there are 80 books in circulation with those typos. I call it the Marge edition. Yeah. Because yeah. the word merge is spelt Marge. Okay. That's interesting. So and if you've got one of them out there, guys. And then... it's signed. Not yet. Like, yeah, yeah. either two things are going to happen. I'm going to be a really good person in life or I'm going to be a really bad person. Right. So in the sense that like, you know, people make that little kind of tongue in cheek remark and they say, oh, you know, if you make it or it becomes adapted into something, it'll be worth more. And it's like, mm. potentially, I mean, I'm not comparing myself to JK Rowling or nothing like that, but just to give you a sort of historical example. Yeah. Um, you know, first edition Harry Potter's hardback yeah. are worth tens of thousands. All right. Okay. I'm not making a comparison, but I'm just giving you an example mm. of what can happen if someone makes it big in that industry uh maybe not so valuable now yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah, yeah. the details yeah 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 but poor woman but um mm. so yeah the marge edition is about 85 copies out there and if they're signed one day who knows i might go on a rampage there we go and it'll still be worth something today you know nice. that guy that killed all those people <laughs> our guy's first edition book nice. <laughs> bit of a segue but we'll go back to the book in a sec but have you seen those pokemon cards where like pikachu's got orange cheeks rather than yellow cheeks they're worth like millions of dollars i am aware of rare pokemon cards yeah um i remember there's a i never actually watched the tv show porn stars and one i say porn stars just so people know i'm not on about pornography yeah porn stars was is this american thing that used to be on bravo okay and people would bring a guy who owned it was called rick Mm. And people would bring in what they thought was valuable, and he would bring in his guys to check it out, whether or not it was valuable or not. Now, I never watched the TV show, but their YouTube channel is booming. It's basically, they're doing the right thing. They've got themselves a 15-year-old TV show, and they've gotten some sort of social media management going on where they've gotten the best clips and put them into like 30-minute YouTube videos. Mm. And me and my girlfriend, it, for about two weeks, were addicted to them. Right, one of them was a Pokemon card. It was a misprint. That's why I brought it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One guy had like a, I want to say it was a, a Ghastly or something, mm. and it was like one side printed and the other side wasn't. And mm. I can't remember how much mm. it went for, but something like nine hundred dollars because Rick always ends up, yeah, offering them fuck all. Yeah, it seems to be like a real thing where Pokemon has actually got this like subculture of people just doing that. Yeah, just from the printed cards, the trading card game TCG, whatever it's called. And it's a shame because people are trying to catch that wave now, you know. Mm. I'm kind of guilty of it when it comes to, like, 50p coins. Yeah. You know, you'll get the Paddington Bears or you'll get the, um, yeah. uh, what's the one, the Be Beatrix Potter. That was a big thing a couple of years ago. And then you've got, like, a whole list of £2 coins or 50p coins that yeah, are yeah. really rare. And now that uh, Lizzie's dead, mm. I've got a few of them. I'm, like, saying to my girlfriend, I'm like, just keep them there. We cannot spend them. We're going broke. And we're like, do not spend them, <laughs> right? And yeah. th that's a wait to the coronation. Because people get make this uh, misconception where they think that just because someone's listed on eBay for two and a half grand mm. doesn't mean it's worth two and a half grand. That just yeah. That's just the price they put up there. Yeah, and yeah. it may stay there until, nope, sorry, yeah. no one bought it. So yeah. the misprint money, that's what you're looking for. I think I've got a £20 coin somewhere. I need to have a look at that. 
And that was one of those things that was on like the JVC channel or it was like collect six tokens through the Daily Mail and you can you can buy this coin from doing that. It's funny what but becomes yeah. rare, isn't it? Yeah. And people try to and like I said, I have been guilty of it with the little my little money hoard going on, you know. But yeah. it, it's funny what becomes valuable and there's things out there that you wouldn't expect are valuable. Yeah. That are worth God knows how much. Yeah, definitely. But things are only worth what people are willing to pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, obviously, not going on to J.K. Rowling, but who inspires you to write books? What authors do you take inspiration from? There's been a few over the years. The first one primarily was Philip K. Dick. Are you familiar with his no. name? Right. So you might be familiar with some of his works. He, so he was a writer in the fifties and sixties, seventies as well, and died in the early eighties. Uh, his first adaptation was. Uh, Blade Runner. Okay. So you familiar? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So Blade Runner was based on his 1968 novel, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? And he died about three months before the film came out. And it was okay at first, like no one really warmed to it. And then over over a couple of years, it became uh, well, it became famous. It became a cult classic. And then Total Recall, that's based on his short story, Minority Report, The Adjustment Bureau, okay. Scanner Darkly. They're all Philip K. Dick works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm uh, reading uh, Philip K. Dick when I'm about 20, 20 years old. And I'm just loving it. I'm absolutely engrossed with it. One book in particular called Ubik. And I, what was great about him is, is he was taking a lot of speed amphetamine. Right? Right, okay. And he was just off his rocker. He would talk about different dimensions. He would talk about, like, you you do all these metaphysical topics. What is the nature of our reality? Mm. You know, a lot of his characters were going through some sort of schizophrenic episode. Mm. And it's just riveting. So he was one of my first early inspirations. And then I sort of, to, once I'd finished his works, I started to branch out there. So I look at like uh, dystopian fiction. You've got mm. George Orwell with 1984. Yeah, yeah. Or you've got Ray Bradbury of Fahrenheit 4, 451. Mm. But these days, my biggest inspirations are those who are big into what's called like heavy dialogue and brevity. Mm. So Elmore Leonard. You might not know the name, but have you ever heard of films like Get Shorty or Jackie Brown, Quentin Tarantino? I've heard of Jackie Brown, So yeah. Jackie Brown is, is an adaptation of Rum Punch by Elmore Leonard. And you read it and it is just like, it's brilliant because he's able to convey so much with as few words as possible. And that's kind of like, well, mm. you've read my book, a little, mm. um, some of it, and you, you kind of get the impression that, you know, I don't over-describe things. I just keep it to the point. Yeah, yeah. And what's called... Um, yeah. Uh, soft world building i'm not big into like mm. fantasy like you get a lot of fantasy tropes where people will put so much emphasis on the world building mm. and descriptions and i don't care for that it bores me mm. so it's like get to the fucking point tell the yeah story. i've read like J.R.R. tolkien and that sort of thing and it's like two chapters of the book are describing a house mm-hmm. or yeah. a cave like the mines of moria and yeah. then i'm like well i know now I know about all of this crazy, like like you say, world building, and I know exactly what the mine looks like. Then what? Yeah. And then they have a battle, and yeah. then they leave the mine, and it was like, well, that was a lot of exposition for not a lot of payoff, really. And that's the problem because you're spoon feeding your readers, and I'm not like you know people, millions of people read his books and enjoy it, so I'm not saying like it doesn't work. It's mm. just for me, it doesn't work. I'm I'm looking at like Elmore Leonard or Raymond Chandler, and I'm thinking. How do what be, what is something I can aspire towards that best helps articulate my voice? Yeah, you know, and that is what I I spent years focusing on it. Yeah, 
you know, you get, because I do short stories. I'm a short story writer at heart. Yeah. When I was um, 14, I got published in a short, uh, well, I, I won an award called the Young Young Writers Award in 2006. And you might like this one, right? So yeah. at the time, I didn't really think anything of it. What happened was, is that it was English teachers like, right, write whatever you want. Okay. And at the time I started playing the Xbox 360 yeah. and the launch title for the Xbox 360 was Perfect Dark Zero. Yeah. It was this game that it was the first time I'd ever played online. And one yeah. of the games was called Infection. And in Infection, there's say, let's say there's 30 people in a lobby, right? Four of those people will be in, infected. Mm. They're skeletons. You shoot them in the head, they die, but they'll mm. just keep coming back. You, mm. on the other hand, have to fend these people off. And if yeah. you die, you become the infected. Yeah, yeah. So by yeah. the end of the game, yeah. it's it's uh, insane. And I wrote a short story based on my experience of being the last player alive during this absolute That's carnage. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And I thought nothing of it. And the teacher uh, did whatever she did with it. And it got published. And she was giving me all this praise and all that. And I'm like, oh, I was just writing what was in, yeah, in my yeah. head and in my heart at the time. But nice. that's when I kind of focus on maybe English is my thing. Yeah. So. I think um, Halo had that game mode where the zombie has like 400 health. And yeah, Juggernaut, wasn't it? Is it an energy sword or something like that? Yeah. yeah. And you've got all of the game, like the guns in the game, and you're trying to kill this zombie. But if he comes up to you and infects you, then you're yeah. joining his horde. And it's tense, yeah, you know? Yeah, it is. It's quite scary, yeah. And that's what I mean. So things like that were always, you know, there's there's nothing better than reading something and you can't stop turning the pages. Like, I mean, I'm not a big fan of this now, but Ready Player One, when I first read that book, I was hooked. Yeah. And looking back on it, I'm like, it's really bad writing mm. because I'm on the other side of that fence now mm. where, I, have you ever, are you familiar with Ready Player One? Yeah, I've watched the film. Um, my... Christ, I think it was one of my friend's sisters was obsessed with the book. Yeah. And then I knew that they were going to make a Ready Player 2. Mm. <laughs> and then that was the book that was next yeah, after so it. Yeah. The thing with the book is, is like it really does pay homage to our the culture that we grew up with. Yeah. More so people in the 80s, but like in the 90s, there's a little bit of a nod to the 90s. And you can't stop reading it. But then like looking back on it, I'm like, the way he writes it is god awful because he's like, Wade was faced with a pac-man machine like a well, good thing i spent last summer playing pac-man yeah like, that's not yeah 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 anyway, that's sounds a bit that. sort of cheesy action yeah, cause yeah. It, but it, it did really well it sold god knows how many copies but then ready player two come out and people were pretty disappointed yeah it's so. a tricky sequel yeah so have you always been interested in writing this genre of book or are you using this to test the waters and then you're going to go on and write a horror film? Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. interested in being what's called an auteur where it's like different genres. You know, when you talk about films like Elmo, um, so not Elmo, sorry, Christopher Nolan. Yeah. He's a, he's a bit of an inspiration as well because he doesn't just mm. focus on science fiction. You mm. know, he's got that film coming out um, this year called Oppenheimer, which is a biopic about the man who created the atomic bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, he's done Memento. Mm. he's done the uh, the prestige you know all these different genres and it's like the reason why the first book is science fiction is purely because i wanted to explore a concept that hadn't happened yet yeah so i like to make a joke that it's not a sci-fi it's a time it's a period drama set in the future yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like because i was that convinced that this could be where the world's going i was reading a lot of what's called uh, a man by by the name of ray kurzweil he now works for Google and he wrote a book in 2005 called The Singularity is Near. Mm. And it talks about 
this concept of the intelligence explosion where machines will become basically machines we're going to reach a level of our technology where machines are just going to you know become self-sufficient yeah. they're going to be self-serving that once they start creating them themselves it's over yeah right and that's kind of prophesized to happen in the 2040s 2050s yeah so that's why it takes place in that time period because yeah. that's the main focus of that yeah because it's shot or written in 2049 isn't it and the is the place called port city so yeah port city is a fictional version of bordeaux right okay so there's, there's a few sort of um nods to landmarks there like uh, the river garon the yeah. muir door um um, you know the trams and all that it's all kind of the, the they are the roads that I walked those yeah. were the places I went around especially in the early part of the book and y- yeah I just wanted to show my love because I have my I hate to bring it back to JK it doesn't even have to be JK Rowland but JK yeah, Rowland yeah. Stephen King whatever they have these particular moments in their life that they spoke about where mm. an idea just came to them mm. and I'm you know people who have, many people that I know that have had those moments that, that eureka moment where you're like I've got an idea yeah and for me, I was walking through Saint Michel, which is the south part of Bordeaux, and I was going to a gym. And this part was very North African. Okay. And as I'm carrying my bag and all that, I'm just sort of like thinking about this short story I'd written, Foville, right? But it didn't. It was kind of half baked, and I thought, how would I make it work? Mm. This character is a veteran. I've never been a veteran. Mm. Never been a soldier. How can I write about someone I don't know? Mm. And then this idea occurred to me when I'm looking around me, and there's all these North Africans who aren't even looking at me. I'm the only white face there. Yeah. And I'm listening to the doors. People are strange. And suddenly it occurred to me, I thought, all right, I might not be a soldier or a veteran, but I'm the next best thing. I'm a foreigner. Mm. So I based that alienation and that kind of, I'm trying to think of the expression, a fish out of water, you know, yeah. mentality based on me being a foreigner in this country. Yeah, a so visitor. That, yeah. Exactly. So that, that, that was it. As soon as I'd finished that gym session, mm. I went straight back to my, uh, my room and, uh, put pen to paper five years later it's published do you find that when you get hit by that inspiration that you have to act on it in that moment otherwise it will dissipate and you'll forget what you yes and no like when you kind of get a concept that's not really fleshed out you can kind of sit on it for years yeah certain intricate things like a line of dialogue Mm. or a description of sort yeah it's probably best to write those things down because you know i've done it before where i'm like I'll be stoned or something. Yeah. And my girlfriend will say something hilarious or I'll say something hilarious to her. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, I'll remember that tomorrow. And I wake up and I don't remember it. Yeah. All those bedtime thoughts you get. Absolutely. And you're like, I'm going to remember that. And you're like, you fucking don't. It's like, what was that thing yesterday? Yeah. So, yeah, my advice to anyone, write down. Because 90% of it might be nonsense. Mm. All right. But that 10% is gold. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of voice memos, lots of drafts, lots of uh, Google Keep notes. All that sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. That's what it takes nowadays, because we've not all got a pen and paper in front of us anymore. No, that's it. I mean, back in the 80s, what was it? The big thing at the time, filofaxes. I think it was my dad or my mum was telling me about this. It's like, imagine what we have on our iPhone, but everybody had it in like this leather-bound thing and they keep it with them. They're like, oh, filofax. They must be posh. They must be sophisticated. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The middle class. I'm going to try and bring back Filofax, just so you know. Yeah, nice, nice. There we go. You heard it here first. <laughs> so what's the reception been like for Fauville? I've seen the Amazon reviews and there's quite a few of them and there's a lot of five stars. I yeah. If you look at that sort of stuff, but you're on the right path by the looks of it. I mean, I'm not going to lie. A lot of them are what I call goodwill reviews, yeah. where they're people that either are friends or they know of me. Yeah. So they just thought, ah, you know, chuck them a five star. But I'll be honest, it's mixed, right? 
and I'm very proud even to this day of like the quality of it and I couldn't have done any better at the time I put as much thought into it as I possibly could yeah um, but there are certain things I look back on where I think as a as you grow there's certain things I'm going to refrain yeah. from doing and it can get a little bit it can lose people because I made the I was ignorant thinking that everybody was going to be on the same page as me no pun intended mm. and so there are some people that just didn't get it and were like I don't like it Mm. or some people were like oh I loved it but there's certain things they didn't get so it's it's mixed it's mixed but those who like it fucking love it yeah they're and in. it has that Blade Runner effect because when I first watched Blade Runner I was like what did I just watch mm. second time I watched it third time fourth time you notice little things here and there because it's designed that way it's like Fight Club it's, you have that big twist of who Tyler Durden is mm. and then you watch it again and you've seen a completely different movie play out before yeah. you and that's what I try to aim to do with all these little plot twists here and there throughout the book yeah. so that it's, it's not just some trashy you know vacation read you know because that's what some people want to do they want a, a book they can read on holiday and then that's it done never thought about again disposable you yeah. know it's junk yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. going for that this is something that I a lot of people want to be comforted by books too mm. as well they want to be comforted mm. by it my book can be quite confrontational and it's mm. satire razor sharp satire towards mm. not just um left-wing politics but right-wing politics as well especially like right-wing uh, libertarianism you know the anarcho-capitalist theme that was a that was a big thing so i'm taking jabs at both sides of the political fence mm. and i'm playing on trauma i'm playing on a very non-linear style of writing mm. that people either get or they don't get yeah so that was a bit of a convoluted way of answering that question so oh, i apologize right, yeah um in terms of like plot twists in films and books what have you found to be the best one because my one has always been the sixth sense mm -hmm, and the others the others is all right yeah no i do like those two plot twists um so i just don't want to spoil anything for anyone mm. so, but i'll do my best all right so fight club's a good one yeah all right uh both the book and the movie another good plot twist right you put me on the spot here but we will find we're gonna find some gold here there we go all right um Oh God! <laughs> this, I watch all these movies, and I'm like, why can't I remember the plot twist right now? I'm mean, sorry, just... John. Play an advert. All right. <laughs> cool. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> oh my God! I've gone blank, man. I feel like I'm at. No, nah, I'm joking. Like when you're younger, in a job interview, like so. Yeah. Tell yeah. me who you are. Oh, I don't know. Where do you see yourself in five years? Oh. I'm I'm twelve. Yeah. I, I don't know. Hopefully not. <laughs> hopefully not dead. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, right? I'll yeah. make you a deal, right? It'll be in the back of my brain, and every time something comes to me out, completely out of left left corner, I'll just yeah. come out with one for you, all right? Okay. Because it will come to me. Well, good. Um, what else can we talk about quickly? So Amazon is obviously a huge part of how the book's gotten out to so many people. Mm -hmm. How have you found that process in terms of distribution, potentially losing a bit of money for every purchase through the Amazon ecosystem? And obviously, the whole reason that we're in this room right now talking is you've got an audiobook planned. Yep. And if the audiobook had come out, I probably would have read the whole thing. Because yes. I find myself like listening to things when I wash up and stuff. All right, I've got a little piece for you that I yeah, might yeah. find interesting, right? So I read a book by a man named... Um, uh, Al I want to say his name's Alan or Alvin Toffler. He was a futurist. And in 1980, he published a book called The Third Wave. And in the third wave, he prophesied or he said that in the future, which is now our present, we're going to see the rise of prosumers, 
which is a merger between consumers and producers. Mm. This podcast right now is an, mm. is an example of prosumerism. Yeah. All right. We're going to cut out the middlemen. There are going to be less gatekeepers and people will have the freedom. The consumers will have yeah. more freedom to be the producers of their own material. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Amazon, uh, or what we call uh, Kindle Direct Publishing, because that's the service that they provide. KDP is, an, is just that, self-publishing. And even though I didn't quite self-publish, I did it through a kind of like a small publishing house up north called uh, um, Steelbox Publishing. But I still put the documents on KDP. And yeah, they do take a chunk. So basically they take 60%, you get 60% of the royalties. Okay. So like, for example, on Kindle. But if you're doing physical books like paperback, um, they take off the print charge. Okay. So for example, my book is like £2.80 a copy. Uh, to make so I'm not that bummed out about it because they're printing the book for me and the quality is not bad mm. you know as long as you put care and consideration from the editorial side of things mm. which I finally did because I did a reprint recently so it's a yeah. lot less pages and the font's looking good I want to give a shout out to Manu he did really well with and he's now my editor the one I met in France yeah yeah right? nice yeah he did a fantastic job and I'll always be doing business with him from now on and so I'm not too phased by it where there is an issue though is when it comes to the audiobook side of things so they have a there's a service called ACX and that's Audible, okay. right? Yeah. And they say if you sign up to an exclusive exclusivity to them, yeah, you get forty percent of the royalties. Okay. They set the the own prices. If you go non exclusive, then you only get twenty five percent of the royalties. But now Spotify stepped into the game, and they bought um a called Find Away Voices, which is going to be the competitor to Audible. Okay. And it seems to be working quite well. So I'm going through Find Away. So I'll be on Spotify and Apple and Google. I'll be everything but Amazon for now. Okay. For now. Yeah. Right. And yeah, they're they're trying to basically be that competitor. But it's like I produced the book, I funded the book, mm. and still I'm only getting fifty percent of the royalties. Yeah. So it's yeah but it is what it is. So I'm not too bummed out. You know, I'm just happy to have the opportunity to be able to actually get out there because what Amazon offers is what's called um, KDP Select. So if you enroll your book, your ebook with them, they will, um, you can do like for five days every 90 days, you can make your ebook free. Mm. And I've just in January alone, I mm. sold 325 copies of my book. I mean, I didn't make any money on it because it was yeah. free, but you know what I mean? And a lot of it was in America. So it was great, you know? That, that, that's available for people because that is the consumer yeah. revolution right there is there a sort of algorithm or a playlist that your book can get into because i always see that with musicians and artists on spotify if they can get into a playlist then that seems to be like their mecca yeah it's like the wild west because you know whether it be podcasting or producing music or podcasting you know everybody's always trying to find that colonel's recipe what's going to get me out there and people try tiktok or they try instagram reels or oh, it's got to be this sort of hashtag it's got to be this sort of and it's no one really i mean i'm sure there's someone out there that has the secrets but even if you find out the secret recipe it's going to change six months later or yeah. 12 months later so you're going to find those youtube videos that are like oh how to crack the instagram algorithm in 2023 yeah you know and there's all these new rules coming out and yeah yeah you know it's a tough one all you can really my from what i would say is you just got to focus on your own what your your own quality yeah. of your stuff and then just yeah. let just let people find it you know share it with friends and you know go what I try and do is I try to go to like social functions 
and mm. meet people. And I'll, mm. I'll have genuine conversation with them. I'm not trying to do a sales pitch on them. Mm. But if we get onto the subject, when you go a little bit deeper, when there's more depth in the conversation about who you are and what you're about and this and the other, then you drop into the conversation. Oh, I do podcasts and all oh, I do. I'm an yeah. author. As soon as yeah, you say, yeah. oh, I'm an author, they're like, oh, really? And suddenly now they're intrigued. And then you yeah. show them the Amazon. And then suddenly, you know, I've yeah, got those yeah. reviews. So thank you to those people that give me the, yeah, the yeah. reviews, you know. I get it. Yeah, I I tend not to sort of talk about the podcast unless people ask about it. But it's very, very similar to being in a band mm. where people say, like, when you're in a band, oh, have you had any hits? Well, who have you supported? And the podcast is almost running in parallel with who have you had on? Yeah. Oh, how often do you record? Mm. You know, and I've been doing this every week pretty much for nearly two and a half years. No, fair play. Um, I have a lot yeah. of respect for you for that. And the problem is with podcasting is that there's two things going on. You build one, you're building up your back catalogue of all these guests that you've had. Yeah. All right. So that's always good because if someone does come across you and really likes one episode, well, they're going to go through your whole catalogue. Yeah. But the other, the flip side to that is, is that you're only really as popular as your last podcast. Yeah. Almost like you know, film stars have that same curse where, you know they'll do a really good movie and they'll mm. get they'll win all these awards and then they do an absolute bomb the next movie and yeah, yeah. suddenly the whole no the phone ain't ringing anymore yeah so yeah you know you and, and the problem with podcasting is that it's so disposable yes. you know you listen to an episode and then you listen to the next one you listen to the next one it's like you're tuning in every week and it's tough because it's like I don't know how many podcasts are out there in the world how many active podcasts are out there but it's, it's got to be in the thousands right definitely and actually I think there's a website you can actually look this up wow yeah but it will tell you how many active podcasts and when they say active they upload at least once a month i think that qualifies yeah. as active yeah yeah and you know because of this whole prosumer thing that i mentioned earlier mm. suddenly there's an entire saturation of people doing what you're doing yeah whether it be podcasts and create music or yeah. what i found out publishing books right because now it's so much easier to publish these days i'd be part of these facebook groups i'm not on facebook anymore because it's just baby boomer <laughs> isn't it? baby boomer land mm. And it's just there to divide people. But, you know, I'd be part of these um, groups. And the problem is, is that they just want to be noticed. Because, you know, some of them are quite lonely people. And I feel sorry for them. And they're like, oh, please look at my thing. Please look at my thing. And sometimes I do. And I read yeah. it. And some of it was great. I, I came across some indie authors. One guy called J.T. Moriarty. And he wrote a book called The, um, the Full Life of a Robot. And I laughed my ass off. It was fucking hilarious. But for every... JT Moriarty that I read I read five of the worst books you've ever came across in your life yeah 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 you know and same with podcasting you know there's a whole saturation of it it's like you want to be noticed because you've got something good that you want to try and get eyeballs on yeah but you're shroud you're in amongst this crowd of fucking you know dweebs that think it's just oh, having a microphone and a phone uh, yeah, and yeah. having a phone record and oh we can talk about anything it's like well no if the conversation ain't there you ain't got it you either got it or yeah. you ain't got it you know definitely I think podcasts come in lots of different flavors and mine's always been very variety based mm. whereas there's a couple there's one that i really like called Nevermind polly he's one of my friends called matt and he interviews rock and metal bands from around the world right um and then i listen to other stuff like jack mate's happy hour which is very variety based and guest based yeah he had dick and um, dom on didn't he yeah dick and dom, yeah <laughs> uh joe rogan will interview anyone that mm. he's interested in but he doesn't really take requests no. He will just get on who he wants. So one day he'll be talking to an air, like, uh, air hostess and the next day he'll be talking to an archaeologist and then yeah. he'll get all of his comedian mates on and they'll talk yeah. about 
shitting and getting high and smoking DMT. That's it. But yeah, it's there's a lot to podcasting and it's important to keep like a cohesive stream of conversation going because otherwise you're just kind of filling up the room with dead air. Yeah, and the thing is, especially when you're hosting something, is sometimes you'll be talking to someone you've never met. They don't know you. Yeah. And suddenly you've got to try and win them over. Yeah. You know, I remember when me and Sean had our podcast, we did uh, Officer Duffy. And that was kind of like the Yeah, highlight. that was awesome. That was a highlight for us because I'd Yeah, met that him. was cool. I emailed him and I was like, oh, come chat with us. But the thing was, is that the way I lured him in, I didn't mention Scary Movie. There was a film called Windy City Heat that came out in 2003 that he's in. And it's fucking hilarious. Like, yeah. it's, it's free on YouTube. <laughs> like, it's a prank. It's a really expensive prank on this one guy yeah. who thinks he's a movie star. And everybody's in on it. The cameras, the director, they're, they're all in on it, all right? And um, Dave Sheridan, Officer Duffy, he played the limo driver that had to get them to pr- premiere. Okay. And I had questions. So in the email, I said to him, look, I want to know about Windy City Heat. And that's what brought him in. Right. So anyone that watches that podcast, they'll see that for the first 20 minutes, we're talking about Windy City Heat. And he explains all the questions I had about, was it fake or was it legit? And he said, it was legit. The man was brain damaged. So you could... You could do some shit to him, and then a week later, he wouldn't remember who you were. Yeah, <laughs> and I know that sounds terrible, but, yeah, yeah. but we were told uh, uh, an American comedian recommended we watch this film, and he said, "Don't feel sorry for this man; he's a piece of shit." And okay, I was like, okay, <laughs> and it made it all the more funnier to watch. Yeah, yeah. And then next thing you know, he starts getting out his like video cassettes from the nineties that he'd put together, all his different characters. You're saying mm. like this character Chip is what became Officer Duffy. Yeah, and it was it was great, and then we we're just riffing it becomes easy yeah it just becomes like yeah this sort of egalitarian approach where it's like right we're in this space together yeah sure it's virtual but if after about 10 15 minutes you feel like you're there yeah definitely and another personal hero for me and sean was a man named craig burko and he was in scary movie 4 he played the tom cruise parody yeah tom ryan yeah, yeah. but i was also a big fan of his in the film the 13th floor which came out about two months after the matrix came out and it dealt in the same sort of storyline of simulation but it okay. went a bit further with it like philip k dick style where it was like a simulation within a simulation it kind of mm. sounded like rick and morty mm. and it did it pretty well and because of that i was always into like i, I just loved that man i was like oh my god and then me and sean reached out to him and we did the interview nice. he's like now i've got the guy on uh bloody instagram yeah <laughs> that's always him. wild to me yeah and but, then you realise yeah. they're, just, they're just regular people like us, you know what I mean? We're the ones that put them on that podium. Yeah, the fact that I can, like, DM Brendan from Wheatus on Twitter is mad. There you go. I've got Blue Van Man's WhatsApp mm. mobile number. He's quite a successful YouTuber. Um, I can tweet MC Lars and he'll get back to me. It's just cool. It is cool, it's isn't cool. it? It's cool. It makes you feel a bit like, oh, wow. Absolute bedlam. Hello, today I'm promoting a product called Set Surf 100% mineral sun cream, safe for sensitive skin and children. So we've got some products here. So we've got SPF 20 lip balm, mineral sunscreen, SPF 50 and water resistant sun cream. And my favorite, rash cream. So when I was out jogging quite a lot, this saved my bacon when I was uh, running at stupid speeds believe it or not and uh go in stupid lengths and uh rash cream definitely helped me out so yeah reef safe coral safe www.setsurf.com shop the range use the code bedlam20 for 20 percent off at checkout let them know that i've sent you and uh 
yeah, enjoy. Absolute bedlam. Here's one for you, right? Yeah. So I haven't brought this episode out yet because uh, it was more of a kind of a lure rather than a real podcast. Yeah. But um, it was pure, I did it completely solo. It was about February time I did this. And it was a, a, a film director named Vincenzo Natale. Now, he's more known now, but his first big hit was his first film, Cube, which came out in 97. Yeah. And you're familiar with the concept. It's a yeah, bit like yeah. Saw, but it's more brainy. Oh, man, is that the one with the lasers? Well, basically, uh, oh, the, these, these people wake up in a cube. Yeah. And yeah, different yeah. Doors, right? I won't go into too much gore on you. I won't, yeah, yeah. I won't, I won't go into the details. But anyway, so that was his first big hit. And then he did another film after that called Cypher, which wasn't as well known, but I saw him film four back in like 2012 mm. and I fell in love with this film it was an espionage thriller yeah. kind of mid-budget sci-fi and I absolutely it was my inspiration of what I wanted to do so 2017 I'm writing the first draft of Foville and I'm getting drunk my landlord Lionel he's away shagging whatever you nice. know what I because mean? he's, he's just a mad shagger yeah, yeah. so I've got the whole like pad to myself and it's April it's warm I'm I've downed like a whole bottle of wine because I'm going through some shit you know I call it it's not a breakdown I call it a breakthrough Nice. I drank myself into sobriety yeah. in Bordeaux and I'm watching Cypher and I'm like, oh, this is, you know, I mean, I'm just there like watching it, drunk, whatever. And then you roll the clock forward five years later and I'm talking to this man. Tell, we talk about his work and then I kind of like shoehorned in t- right towards the very end about Foville. And then he gave me his address. So I sent him a copy and then he emailed me saying, got your copy and all that. His most recent gig is an Amazon Prime series called Peripheral. All right. And it's just been renewed for a second season. So he's like, look, I've got your book. I can't wait to read it. However, Peripheral's been renewed for a second season. So I've got a lot of scripts to go through. So I'm like, I just leave it there. It's like, that's it. You know, I've got to yeah, move man. on with my life because it could be six months from now. It could be a year from now. Maybe, maybe never. But you might say, look, I like it. I love the chase and I love that in. So when I was um, doing events management at Wayne Pavilion, I was um, helping with a company called Hourglass Promotions. And I met um, the bassist of of Rise to Remain, Mm -hmm. who was um, Austin's, Austin Dickinson's um, band, which is obviously Bruce Dickinson's son. Um, And I said, look, I appreciate you're really busy, dude, but I'm in a metal band, like most people on the planet. um, And I'd really genuinely appreciate it if you could listen to my EP of, I think I was in a band called Griever. And he was like, yeah, man, of course, I'll listen to it, absolutely. And because I worked for the company, it felt like I was a bit more of a legitimate person rather than just someone going to a gig as a fan. Hmm. And he messaged me on Facebook, I think it was, saying, I really like the uh, the music. I'm going to try and set something up. It never happened. Hmm. But just that recognition and that, like, I, I, like I've always prided myself in if I say I'm going to do something, I will do it. Yeah, and it's nice sometimes when that's reciprocated because otherwise yeah. people go, "I'll try my best," but I'm off on tour in Australia for six months, so who knows when I'll come back? And you know that sort of thing. You just have to leave things there. You know, another famous example is Stephen King. I read his memoir, and he spoke about when he first published Carrie. Yeah, um, it it did all right, but back in those days, things took a lot longer. So yeah, through a traditional publisher. And if he sold the international paperback rights, he was looking at like 200 grand. And back then, him and Tabitha were broke as fuck. Yeah. And he just moved on with his life and started writing other things. And then he get a phone call from his agent saying, Stephen, are you sat down right now? <laughs> and he said, the international paperback rights have sold. And he just, that was it, $200,000 in his in his bank. And he told me Imagine looking at that, like on, like you open like the nationwide banking app mm. and you're like, oh, fuck, I've just made it. 
Yeah. Like, um, holy uh, shit. There's a thank you boy joke when he says about you're a million winners. And he says, because one of the biggest you're a million wins ever, I think somewhere in the ballpark of 180 million pounds. And there's a couple in, in the UK. And Frankie Ball was like, imagine going into your... No, sorry, it wasn't Frankie Ball. It was... um, um, oh, He's a Scottish comedian. I've got Jeff Bridges on the mind. and it's not Because he's, he's a big Lebowski. Kevin, Kevin Bridges. Bridges. Kevin Bridges, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a Kevin Bridges joke, sorry. Yeah. And he talks about, imagine winning £120 million and then you just put it in your... He, he said the first thing he'd do is just go to the AT, uh, go to the cash point and just put his card in. He goes, <laughs> display balance. 120 million pounds yeah today you may withdraw 300 pounds yeah 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 <laughs> having to turn your phone onto the uh but that's the landscape rather than portrait to see your bank balance <laughs> that's it well the thing is is like i'm fascinated by that story the the big lottery win yeah especially euro millions because yeah i understand like winning three million pounds is life-changing but you know you buy a house you buy a car yeah and then it's almost gone in this day and age right yeah yeah but when we look at euro million winners like I said, the biggest win was 180 million or thereabouts. They're dead now. Right? Uh, they were owed anyway when they won it back in like 2012 or something. Yeah, yeah. But it's uh, it just always fascinates me. Like, what changes in your mind? Because in my hometown in Corby, I've told this story a few times, so yeah. I apologize for repeating to anyone that's watching. It's all good. It's an exclusive for here. So yeah. So um, in 2012, there was um, a, a a syndicate of bus drivers who all played the Euro Millions together. Okay. I think there was 12 of them and they'd been doing it for two years and they were thinking about quitting. Mm. One of them, and they won, right? But nice. one of them got the news on the Saturday. He was doing the Saturday shift and he's driving his bus, just usual mundane route. And <laughs> through the radio it says, uh, I can't remember which one of them it was, right? But he says, we won the lottery. He slammed the brakes and he said to the passengers, get the fuck off my bus, <laughs> I've just won the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> and now there's one guy called John oh, Noakes. Oh, fucking hell. There's one guy called John Noakes who, um, he's my dream guest, right? Because my mum went to school with him and he was one of the winners. Yeah. So they all won three million pounds each between 12 of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as much as it's celebrations and popping the champagne and being a legend, there comes a dark side to it. And I'm fascinated by the dark side of these lottery wins. Yeah, yeah. And I messaged him on Facebook because my dad hooked me up and I said, look, I'd love to interview and all that. And he said, look, I, I can't, you know, my family turned on me. You know, people harassing him on the streets for money. He said he had to move to Spain, you know, just to get out of there. And he said, you know, it wasn't always happy. It's mm. not. A, it's not a happy, happy ever after. So yeah, one yeah. day I'm gonna, I'm manifesting. It. I'm gonna get him on the podcast and chat to him. Say, John, mate, I need to know everything about this lottery win. Did you see that King Chav that won the lottery and just went fucking crazy and just like bought a massive mansion and yeah, crashed Count, it? Count Dacula, isn't it? He yeah, did the yeah. story on that. Yeah. That was fascinating because my friend Craig, Craig Ingalls, he'll be watching this. He he loves Count Dacula. Yeah. And yeah, that was one of the things that I watched, King of the Chavs, and he went through it within less than a year. Yeah. And all that. So yeah. Jesus Christ. And that's it because apparently when you win... You know, they try and Camelot, I think, is the the trust that deals with all that. Yeah. They try and hook you up with a with a uh, an accountant, like or, a wealth manager. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, look, yeah. this is what's going to happen now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's interesting. I mean, I would never want to earn wealth through those means. I'd want to do it through my own efforts. Yeah. Whether it be sell the rights to a book or whether it be whatever, right? Yeah. I'd want it to be through my own efforts. And like going on Dragon's Den and like your invention gets pushed through and. Well, it's being sold at Tesco's, Asda, Sainsbury's, and you're just fucking raking it in. Well, I've got a few inventions in mind, right? Yeah. You know, you've got head and shoulders for dandruff, right? Yeah. Well, this is going to blow this out the park, right? Okay, it's for I'm af- in. I'm it's, in. it's yep. athlete's foot. 
and it's okay. called Knees and Tails. Nice. <laughs> That's such a good idea. There we go. In a couple of years, this will be the origin of that. No, no, no. What will happen is that <laughs> someone will watch this and they'll make Knees and Tails. Yeah, fuckers. And I'll be like, you motherfucker. I said have that. to bleep it out. <laughs> yeah. Nah, <it's> <laughs> what good, did Dan say? What but it'll fuck? be cool because they can shape it. So you've got your head and shoulders up here. Right? Yeah, yeah, and then your yeah. knees and toes just sits there at the bottom, right? Kind of like conditioner because conditioner's kind of upside down already, isn't it? Yeah, so I have to be like yeah. a conditioner like bottle. For your knees and toes, for your athlete's foot, just rub it on there. You know, it's just it's a game changer because then it becomes complete, and then you, yeah, you can take it a step further. You can be like, all oh, about conjunctivitis. You got eyes and nose and yeah, ears and mouth. Like yeah, yeah. Suddenly you got the whole nursery run complete. Like, I like completely it. missed a trick with that one. You don't even realise you're singing it. Mm. You're like, oh wow, there we go. Exactly. I love it. Have you got any more inventions? Any more you want to get off? I came up with an idea of like a checkbook that actually bounces. <laughs> you know what I mean. But it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't really work because people don't really accept checks anymore. Yeah. And you know, what kind of materials would you need to make it bounce? You know, it have rubber to be... checkbook. <laughs> yeah. The uh, environmentalists would probably go mental about that now because everything's sustainable and yeah, yeah, friendly and all that stuff. Yeah. And there another another one is like, you know, it, this would be more of a novelty, more of a gimmick, but it'd be like the bottom part of a cup. Hmm. Where like you can just give like your, your manuscript like a coffee stain, it wouldn't yeah, be an actual yeah. cup. It would just be the bottom part. So you just stain. Yeah, it. yeah. There yeah. we go. So watch your space, people. <laughs> so yeah. Well, that uh, we'll continue writing books for now. Yeah, if exactly. If it all you know dies tomorrow, then you've got some backups. It's good to have backups. Yeah, that's it. And this thing is as well. Like, I'm, my girlfriend tried to give me advice, and she said like, why don't you look at what the bestsellers and that be your next project. I'm thinking, I don't want to write the next bestseller. I want to write what I'll find interesting yeah. because one the, the process that I have is that I come up with a, a premise yeah. and the ending and then I have to figure out how to have a start and a middle yeah. to get to that ending, which is kind of ass backwards, but it just yeah. seems to work for me. And more often than not, I'll start off with like a short story or like a, a novelette, which is a real fancy word. It's basically about like what... They, they kind of have like these... Gui- not like guidance of like word count so a novel is usually 60,000 words, but it can be 50,000 words. Right. Mine's 55,000 words, so it's pretty short. A short story can be... Anyway, I don't want to bore you with that bullshit. No, that's okay. But that's basically, right. in terms of like uh, size, you've got your short story, then you have a, a novelette, then you have a novella, then you have a novel. Right? Got so you, I got write you. short stories or long short stories, novelettes, yeah. and then I'll flesh those out and make it into a, a novel. Nice. So I've got a few on the back burner that I'll be working on once the audiobook's out, which comes out yeah. on Friday, and it's been okay. six months six months I've been uh, working on this and it's been voiced by a man named Dan Mather ex-WWE mm. wrestler yeah yeah how I came across this man was very uh, I love this word ser- serendipitous nice yeah right? good word yep and yes it is a Kate uh, Kate Beckinsale movie mm. right mm. that's how I like that word I was like, that's a good word I like that word so w- what happened was is I was playing with playing around with the idea, not very seriously, the idea of having an um, audiobook. So I looked into it, and there's a place called Voices.com where you can basically hire people to um, voice your book. And they do like a little audition. You put Sort the, of like cameo. Yeah, you put out a text, yeah. and then they give you a sample. And then I was looking at the price range, and I was like, oh, this is too expensive. I can't yeah. afford this. So I left it alone at that. But I have a LinkedIn profile. That's how I got Barry Scott on the podcast. Got because I created yeah, I was going to ask you about that, yeah. My LinkedIn profile is uh, not to be taken seriously at all. I have five followers. And my achievements on there are two assembly awards I won. 
in the, in the late 90s, early 2000s, <laughs> and a Sports Day Award that I won in 1998. Hell yeah. So those are my achievements on there. And so I kept that LinkedIn alive anyway. And yeah. me and Sean had this idea. We're like, oh, let's try and reach out to people now that we have a studio. So we messaged Barry Scott to no avail. And it says, oh, one person's noticing you. And I was like, who is this? It was Dan Mather. Yeah. So it turned out that Dan Mather was one of the 80 people that auditioned for my audiobook. I listened to about five of them. So I didn't even know he'd auditioned. Yeah, yeah. And I, I listened to his uh, little showreel because it said on his profile he's a voice actor. I was like, I've got to check this out. So I listened to it and I was like, holy shit, that's the voice I'm looking for. Yeah. Because have you ever watched Black Mirror? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you familiar with the episode White Christmas? Yeah. That's one of my favorite episodes of Black Mirror. Is that the one where it's predominantly like a sort of, it's mostly a two-man show? Yes. And the guy's actually like playing sort of a character throughout most of the episode. Yeah. So and then he kind of turns on He's trying person. to get a confession out of him. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And that is some of the most compelling TV I've ever watched in my yeah, life. Yeah, I thought that was really well done. And the main... Black the, Mirror is good. Well, the American actor, playing the, the American in it, is yeah. an actor named John Hamm. Now, okay. he's quite famous. He's more known now because of, like, uh, Baby Driver mm. and uh, mm. Top Gun Maverick. He has that kind of gravelly voice. Mm. And... The way he was telling his story, because Black Mirror, um, White Christmas is kind of stories within stories. It plays yeah. out like an anthology. Yeah, yeah. So when John Hamm's character explains, you know, his backstory, just his voice alone, I thought, I want John Hamm. And Dan Mather is the closest thing possible to John Hamm. And I was like, that's the voice I'm looking for. It's not really conventional. It's not really kind of like what most people go for. I'm like, I fucking love it. And everyone I've showed it to, they're like, they yeah. love it. I showed you a little sample, right? You did, yeah. You sent it to our WhatsApp group, me and John. Yeah, yeah. Um, what are your impressions of the voice? Yeah, really good. It's got a bit of a striking sort of makes you sit down and listen to it and yeah. pay attention because John, at some point in the future, when he... I'm a bit uh, adamant that he should follow his dreams, bless him, and try and keep this house paying the rent. Yeah. Um, He should be a voiceover actor. Yeah. And John's got a fucking good acrement for it. Mm-hmm. But... Obviously, it's not currently paying the bills, so I think he's on Fiverr, and he can voice over I've heard your of Fiverr. stuff. And I nearly yeah. hired someone from Fiverr. I was I was kind of getting addicted to like putting money into a book that wasn't really returning. But I was like, oh, let's get a French translation. Started speaking to this French translator. Yeah, I saw some pretty horrific reviews. I was like, you know what? Fuck the translation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need to stop with this bullshit. So that's what I did. Yeah, but it's just yeah, Fiverr. It's hit or miss, isn't it? Because you're going to be getting various degrees of quality and people really do undercharge themselves. Again, going back to that prosumer thing, there's a saturation in the market yeah. and people just want to try and break out of that first initial membrane, those grassroots levels where you just yeah. want to get even just a minor break. I think the problem with Fiverr is it's usually the last place people look and at that point they're flapping. Yeah. So they want ridiculous turnover times, like three days from now I'm about to release a trailer for a movie, mm. or um, I need someone to edit all of my YouTube videos in two weeks. Yeah. You know, if you don't have a job, that's fucking fantastic. But unless you're willing to do a 60-hour work week and a 70-hour, you know, that's, yeah. that's not even allowing you to sleep. And I can tell you, you know, the grind can be... Because I said to Dan, like, it's ready when it's ready. Yeah, but it's six months now, and we're both eager to like release it now. Yeah, and it's out on Friday, and even then, it will be finished. But it, on a very technical terms, it would still be a few quirks here and there that yeah, most yeah. people aren't even going to notice. Um, so luckily, I can do like it's like with video games, you can do a post release, so I can patch it. Okay, post release without 
affecting anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the next, like, after this podcast, I'm probably going to be up to about one in the morning just doing some quality control work because I want to get all my notes ready, my second lot of notes ready for my sound engineer to say, to make their job easier. Yeah, yeah. To make it quicker so we're ready for this Friday release. There we go. If there are any coffee companies out there, then hit Dan up, send him some bags, and I'm sure he'll... Uh thank you later on because it sounds like you're going to need some <laughs> you know what I don't even need coffee what I need is for someone to just give me like three grand three grand and be like you don't need to work for the next three months or yeah. two months yeah, yeah and it's like oh thanks man you know what I mean so I'll be like hey work I'm not coming in alright I've got yeah, yeah. because got like, to do. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm being like, I'm, maybe I'm, I'm being a bit glib but basically what I'm trying to say is is like I've had the same job for like four years now I work mm. in a gym and mm. it's okay I love the people there but my god when you're working towards your dream and there's this fucking other thing that pays minimum wage that's getting in the way of that time-wise because time becomes a currency in itself when you're a creative person. Yeah. And it's like, just fuck off. Yeah. All right? Yeah. And I've, you ever played Majora's Mask? Zelda? Yep. Yeah, yeah, I love Zelda. I, I, feel yeah. like, I feel like that at the end of like the moon's crashing. Yeah, you it's need like, to reverse time. <laughs> I need to reverse. I just need three days. Yeah, but I'll yeah, be fine. Yeah. It's just going to be a grind. It's going to be a grind for the next three yeah. days. And I'm excited. And once it's done, I'm just going to like sit in my own piss and shit for like five days and be happy. Play my GameCube. Yeah. Is there a sense of when you drop something that's a physical book or an audio book or something creative, you know, you run out of the sort of the stream and the well runs dry. Do you feel relieved or do you feel shit? Page four, I could have probably worded that sentence better. Oh, I tell you what, writer's block for me is like trauma, right? Because there's denial, all right? Yeah, yeah. So I have what's called a writer's instinct and I think... Maybe, well, I haven't come up with a proper word for it yet. Maybe we'll figure it out. But um, we all have an instinct, a second brain, if you will. Mm. And we've all had it at certain moments in our lives where we've thought something just ain't quite right, but you can't quite conceptualize or even reason what the problem is. Mm. There's this kind of unarticulated thing that's just saying, it's like a child's brain. It's almost like there aren't aren't words for it. It's just a feeling saying no, right? Yeah. And if we follow that instinct and you turn around and said, oh, there was a bloody car crash down the road and it's like, fucking hell, I could have been on that road mm. if I, you know what I mean? And with writing, there have been moments where I'll be writing something and it just goes blank, not because I don't have anything to write, but because my instinct's trying to say to me, mm. this is dog shit, mm. stop. And then I mm. lose motivation and mm. I just stop. And then I'll just not write anymore. And then two weeks will go by or three weeks will go by and then something just comes to me. And then I'm possessed and I can't stop because of that. Because what it was is that I had to, Stephen King said it in his memoir, sometimes you just have to murder your darlings. Mm. This one thing that you're trying to make work, whether it be a paragraph or whether it be a chapter or whether it be a poem or something, mm. right? Or a song. Mm. And your ego's like, it must work mm. this way. Yeah, yeah. And then you completely scrap it and start again. And then suddenly you start making progress. Yeah, yeah. You know, because that's, that's why you're not being out. I'm just saying to anyone that's watching, if you're an aspiring creative of some sort and you, you've got that block just listen to your gut because what it's trying to tell you is is that whatever you've got going is dog shit and you need to rebuild the blocks smash it all down like a game of jenga yeah yeah. start rebuilding it because i have this concept i call reusing the assets where i was writing a chapter and it just wasn't working so i eventually when i came to that level of oh it's dog shit i scrapped it and started again but what was left in that dog shit was these little assets that i could reuse whether it be a sentence or whether it be a character or whether it be a description, they still survived. Yeah. So the book of mine that you've read, mm. I could point at certain things and be like, 
So originally yeah. that existed in this form in a previous draft, and yeah, I had to yeah, reuse yeah. it for that. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a song where the drummer's like, I really don't like that bit. Mm. And then next album, they try to correct what they did in the last album. Yeah. And they just try to refine and make it more efficient and productive. That's and it. Stuff, and I'm, yeah. I'm sure you've had musicians on in the past on your podcast that might have explained like something just wasn't working, but their ego was so involved that we must make Push it this through. way. Yeah, and then yeah. you finally take out that one Jenga block that causes the whole thing to collapse. Yeah, it's yeah. like, that was this thing that I was trying to make work was the problem all along. Yeah, yeah. And once you got rid of it, you're free to, to continue. Well, I hear a lot of artists talking about Frankensteining songs, which is they take the verse out of another song that was like a B-side and it was never going to see a light of day. And then they'll use the chorus from another song that they're stuck with. And sometimes you can get this perfect marriage of like everything just works together and it all just fits into place nicely. I love that term, Frankenstein. That's great. Yeah, I love there we that. go. And yes, reusing the assets, Frankenstein, yeah. and any any creatives that are watching. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to murder your darlings. So don't there we go. Just fuck your ego. Nice. Um, so what's the sort of time? What what time are we on at the moment? If you can have a quick look. Well, we got one bar on the on the on the because these um preamps. Yeah. Rinse it. Uh, we've got 15 minutes, man. 15 minutes. Right, so what's the plan for the future? Are we writing another Fauville or are we no, going no, I don't. Be, I don't direction? believe in sequels. I mean, okay. there, there, is an ex- there is kind of like a universe I'm working on, but this is the thing I hate about sequels and sagas and this, that, and the other. Like, I don't care for it. Like, I'm happy to play in that same universe. Yeah. But it it won't be the same characters or it won't be the same thing. Yeah. Um, there's one book I'm working on called Revu. And I wrote a short story originally. And again, I had that halfway through, I just stopped writing it. I lost motivation because that gut was saying, there's one element of this story that's dog shit. I won't bore you with the details, but I killed um, the cat, so to speak. And then after that, the story worked. Yeah. So I wrote an essay because I also write nonfiction. I write essays called, because um, another inspiration of mine is a man named David Sedaris. And he, he's a humorist. He just writes about himself. Okay. And some of them are hilarious because you write a diary. So I write journals sometimes to kind of express myself. And one of them was called Shordinger's Cat, which kind of plays into this yeah, yeah, quantum whole, mechanics. Does it exist if you can't see it? Exactly. Is a cat yeah. alive or dead? Yeah, yeah. And so I did an essay that did, did a kind of weird me killing a cat in a fictional story. Yeah. Or like killing it in terms of like um, completely getting rid of it from the story because mm. it was kind of a gimmicky plot point to the short story. Yeah. And then I started talking about Shordinger's cat. And then at the end of it, the essay said, is the cat alive or dead? And I said, it's both. Because yeah. I was playing on the, the whole reusing the assets. The cat's still alive. Yeah, yeah. But it's not the same function of what it previously served. It's just a background or it's just a... Yeah, yeah. So, And I, I will publish these um, non-fiction pieces at some point, but it's not a priority at the moment. But yeah. that's definitely something I'm going to do because it's so much easier to write those because you're writing your truth. You're not having to really make anything up. Yeah. Yeah, you might embezzle certain things. You might put more emphasis on certain things. But it really is more therapeutic to just write your story, like your actual experiences. Yeah. And then just compile them together into a little collection. So in the ne- in the near future, I think I'm going to call it um, the confessions of a square peg. Okay. Nice. Because I have Asperger's. So, you know, growing up, it's all right now in adulthood when you know yeah. yourself, but growing up as a kid, you know, it was difficult. So you, I'm the square peg trying to fit into this round hole of society. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, so confessions of a square peg. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Yeah. I think um, someone said something to me a couple of years back, which was quite profound. I think we're all learning how to do something at work, like qualification to do some sort of certificate in service management or something like that. It was IT related. 
and um, they didn't like the fact that their school life was very sort of straight line. You either straighten up and fly right or you're going to fail and you'll get a crap job or you'll end up working at McDonald's or something like that. And um, one of his favourite expressions was you wouldn't ask a horse to climb a tree Mm. because we've all got different skills. Yeah. I truly believe that most people are good at at least two things, but sometimes you really have to eat shit to find those two things. Yeah, I mean, playing to that school, because after I'll tell you, the school I went to is called Lodge Park in Corby up north. It's just full of these sort of second generation Scottish kids. And um, you're surrounded by these storytellers, you know, these aggressive prepubescent storytellers. And you're in this crowd and some of them would just have you in absolute stitches. So I think that's the origins of of, of where I where my storytelling comes from is being surrounded by these jaded alcoholic yeah. offsprings. Yeah, yeah. You know, and but yeah, school was just it didn't. It didn't really inspire me. There was a few teachers here and there that really inspired me, but they're just trying to—they're just trying to educate you into conformity. We had a school uniform, and like if your top button wasn't done up, some teachers would stop you on, in the corridor and say, "Do your top button up?" And I'm like, "But why? What are you preparing us for?" Yeah, yeah. You know, I've never worn a suit ever since. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. interviews and that. Yeah, sure, but none of the jobs. I, I work in a gym for fuck's sake. We have a polo shirt yeah, and a pair of shorts. Yeah, 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 completely. It's like they're trying to kind of indoctrinate you with this conformity. And I understand that we, in this reality, we do need some form of structure and we have to kind of understand the idea of consequences of yeah. our actions and this yeah, and the yeah. other. But the public schooling system is a fucking joke. And apparently it's even worse now than when we were at school. Um, but the social aspect of it was tremendous. You know, me and Sean went to school together. You know, we met each other when we were 12 years old. And it, and the, the laughter that we had was something else. Yeah. And... And, and and the the friends that we had as well. So all my memories are not really things that I learned at school, but just the shit that we got up to. You know, some of those teachers, those poor teachers, they had to put up with us. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, of course. But I just, yeah, that's basically what, because, you know, you see kids coming into their GCSEs and you see like, the, the what the teachers go wrong is that they put so much fear into the kids saying like, you must get good GCSEs. It's like, fuck, it's an extra year in college if you don't pass your GCSEs. Leave yeah. You know, yeah, I didn't yeah. start reading until I was 19. I could read anyway, but I didn't mm-hmm. start reading until I was 19 years of age, like for pleasure. And, you know, you figure out as you get older, like a 16 year old is a child. Yeah. An 18 year old is, I mean, I know legally they're an adult, but yeah, well, this is actually relevant actually, right? So I, I went to yeah. Wayne College today to do a first aid course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went there 15 years ago as a student of yeah. media and then later sports. I felt like 21 Jump Street because <laughs> here I am nearly 31 years of age walking in and I'm seeing these kids, yeah, these yeah. 16 year olds, and you're seeing like this little microcosm. They've got their fashion, they've got their egos, they've got their sort of... Beliefs, policies. Yeah, exactly. Ethics. And I'm just like baffled because uh, at one point I'm sat there eating lunch and I'm looking around me and I'm thinking, wow, like who I was 15 years ago, I, I took it so seriously, this whole status thing or this mm. trying to fit in and it's like, now I'm just sat there eating my lunch doing a first aid course not giving a shit about any of that because it's yeah. like I know who I am now. Yeah, yeah. But it's just it's just interesting being reintroduced to that again. Yeah. To dwell to kind of look back on it now that I'm in Weymouth College I'm like, mm. oh wow, I was this person. Yeah, you're going half, back half, into half a the, lifetime ago, yeah. Going back into the melting pot of ideas and it's interesting to see how far yeah. I've come as well as an, as a human being. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm this person now. You know. Yeah, yeah. So a couple more questions. Mm. Whilst we talk about school quickly, I didn't mention the school thing at the start. Oh, yeah. What's the naughtiest thing that you can remember doing at school? Jesus Christ. I mean, where to begin? 
Just one will do. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I mean, all right, there was this one teacher that we had. He was a substitute teacher. He's from Canada. I can't remember his name. But me and Sean would fucking... Oh, my God, we took the piss out of this man so badly. His hair went grey within three weeks. And I used to, like, pick up... I used to grab his lunchbox from his backpack. And I'd be, like, waving his banana around. He'd be like, hey, Daniel, put back my banana. And I'd be like, fill up potassium. And my little floppy fringe, because it was, like, you know, it was 2007. Like, oh, yeah. You know, that my chemical romance and that, and the emo fringe and stuff. Yep, yep. Using your mum's hair straighteners. Love it. And that poor man, you know, the stress... I don't even... I, I hope he's still alive. I don't even know his name, but if he's alive, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if he's watching this the shit we put that man through and we're Love just it. trying to be funny but you know we're 15 years of age like there's there's a you lose something in translation yeah you know so the next question I've got is minor inconveniences is there anything that's currently annoying you that you want to get off your chest I've got one as an example if you need a bit of time to think you give me your example first and I'll, I'll go off you so I've just moved into a flat in mm-hmm. Weymouth in a place sort of near Chapel A sort of area near oh. Asda oh you poor thing yeah um <laughs> <laughs> and we've got a shower head in the shower. Where the fuck else would it be? Um, and it slightly moves when it's in motion and there's water coming out of it. So it's either drenching the curtain or it's hitting the side wall. So you've got to like really position it so that it just goes straight onto your body. Mm. Um, so we need to tweak that. It might be the uh, thing that it slots into. Well, the thing is, like, once you figure it out, that's a skill for life. I ain't going to teach you that at school, no. how to fix a shower head. I'll tell you, when I was 27, I went through a phase of my foreskin being a bit of an inconvenience, right? So, sorry, there's a bit gross at the end now anyway, right? But, right. like, I would literally, right, I'd piss in a urinal, right? And I'd shake myself off, right? And no matter how many times I shake myself off, as soon as I put that hood back on, blip, like a burping baby. Like, just, I'm like... So I actually considered getting a circumcision, right? Because I thought, the foreskin's the culprit. Nice. Every time I roll that sucker up, right, it just, blip. I'm like, this is, this is, no. oh, and I, I spoke to a guy, this gay guy, right, he's a really nice guy, I don't know why I said he's gay, but he's gay, he's really, he's really good, really good person, talk to him all the time, and he was like, oh no bro, I had a, I had a circumcision, you lose pleasure, he's like, don't get the, don't get the circumcision, I wasn't really gonna, but I had, I had, I had that conversation myself a few times, a thinking, little blip of, uh, another inconvenience is like, you know, this, this, women will never understand this struggle, right, but for some reason, your knob will just decide that when you piss, it's going to go in two directions. Yeah, you know, it happens once in a while. Yeah, definitely. It hasn't happened for a little while, but that's a minor inconvenience. You know, I'm just, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> I think there's definitely been a correlation between social media being a real thing and me now sitting down to wee, so then I can be on the phone more. Yeah, which is really fucked. You know, I went through a phase. You know, when I was a for a very long time, you know, going for a shit was kind of like mm. just a banality. So I just, you know, would you call it? just take a shit and get on with my day, right? Yeah. But it's not now. It's only now that I'm older that I realise the luxury and just sitting down, going on your going on your phone or reading a book and just sitting there for like half an hour. Yeah. And my God, sometimes I'll... Yeah, it's just tremendous. Yeah, Especially sometimes. when you do it on company time as well. You know? Sometimes I get pins and needles. I'm like, I should probably go back to work. It reminds you of Lethal Weapon too. Yeah. When, yeah, yeah. Um, when um, Mert... Is it Murtar? The guy, Danny Glover, right? Yeah, yeah. And... Um, He's been sat on the toilet for like 18 hours because <laughs> on the toilet roll it says, there's a, don't get up, it's a bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I can't get up, Riggs. Jesus, I haven't watched <laughs> my, my legs are numb. <laughs> How many lethal weapons did they make? Well, they made four films with the with that duo. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the first one's amazing, especially the director's cut. I actually like number two more 
because by that point their friendship's been established and it's just seen, you know, Riggs and Murtaugh. I'm saying his name wrong, I know. Uh, number three was kind of gimmicky. Number four was just silly. Um, they did a TV show mm. for a couple of seasons. I think they're bringing out a fifth one, but I don't know if it's going to have the same characters in it. So I hope that answers question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pop. Two more, then we'll wrap up. Favourite fast food? Favourite fast food? Well, I'll tell you my least favourite fast food yep. is KFC. See, I used to think they were all right. And then one day I just clicked, I thought, what the fuck am I eating KFC for? It's shite. Compared to like Nando's or compared to like any gourmet place. Yeah, yeah. Favourite fast food restaurant? I mean, all right, it's um, Rio's Piri Piri. Okay. Now it's more of a dining in, but you can take it away. You can get it delivered. So I, I call it fast food. Fast food is defined by it's made quickly. Yeah. Right? So yeah, yeah. You, you, they make it quickly, you eat it quickly, right? Yeah. And so it's got to be Rio's Piri Piri. It's a knockoff Nando's, but it's better and it's slightly cheaper. There was a um, chicken restaurant in Weymouth for about six months and it was called Flaming Frangos. Yeah, I think I and remember Nando's seeing that. actually, basically they hit them with like a DMCA, whatever the wow. equivalent of that is, a cease and desist. Oh, and no. they went bankrupt because Nando's just went, that's very, very similar to what we do. Um, so they... I'm assuming Rio's is a similar sort of thing. But Yeah, but they're like based in Birmingham, I want to say. Okay. And they've got loads of restaurants around there, up in the Midlands and that. And, you know, it's their own thing. You know, yeah, they kind of follow the same trend with the different spice levels, but it's their own thing and it's better. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I love that place. Um, Ray's Chicken. Is a, yeah. good, is a good knockoff KFC, but um, it doesn't open till 4 p.m. and it's a pain in the ass to park there, so. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Last question. It's quite a deep one, oh, but it's it. a good one to end on. How do you want to be remembered? Fucking hell. That is deep. I like that. That's a good We've question. We've gone from fast food to legacy. I like I, like I want to be remembered for liking Rio's <laughs> Piri Piri. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? That's it. Nah, you know, I think... You know, Jim Carrey said this. He said that everything that you love and everything that you possess will eventually rot and die. And all that will remain is what was in your heart. Mm. And, you know, if you can leave this world with nothing but love and decency and acceptance, I think you've done something right in this life. Otherwise, you've got to relive it again. That'll be your karma. Because mm. that's the whole point of karma. Is It's not just a case of action and reaction you do bad onto others and bad things will happen to you. As yeah, a definitely. Yeah, karma, yeah. karma is more a case of we have this sort of arbitrary tick list every time we come into this life. And when um, by the end of that life, if that wish list has not been fulfilled, then we have to go back and relive it mm. and start again. And, you know, you I guess in simple terms, I want to be remembered for being decent and hardworking and you know, someone that had love in his heart with everything. Even if I was misunderstood, I was always, I always had the best intentions. Yeah. So, there we go. How about your question? So, Foville is out now as a physical book and Friday is when the audio book drops. Is yes, that correct? Yes, that will be, what date are we on now? So, I'm, I want to say Friday is going to be the 17th of March. Yep. So, and if, you know, if there's any hiccups here or there, I mean, it's going to be out a day or two after that anyway, but yep. with a set in stone. 17th of March, Friday. That's cool. And I've got a lot of work ahead of me to make yeah. sure that this gets released on time. There we go. And your socials, where can we follow you if we want to keep up to date with everything So Instagram do? at DK underscore, underscore Pike. Yep. And yes, that will have a link to my book if you want to get on it. I also promote my... I wouldn't call it a... I wouldn't call it a podcast. I just do this little gimmicky thing where I play GameCube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just talking to a mic. You can't see my face. It's just audio. And... 
I'll play like classics like Tony Hawk's Underground. Yeah. And I'll just talk about life. Episode two has just come out today. Nice. So that will be done in about five or six episodes, and then I'll move on to like. I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to be consistent with it because obviously writing in that and working out takes over. I don't want to be too much of a couch potato. But um, I'll be doing the classics like Metroid. I'll be doing like Metroid Prime. I'll be doing uh, Zelda. Yep. You know, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. Oh, yeah. And one of them is going to be um, Ghost Recon Advanced Warfare. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, that's an Xbox 360 classic. So, yeah, it's called Square Peg Gaming. It's S-Q-W-A-R-E. Nice. So I spent it wrong, spelled it wrong on purpose because everyone's called Square Peg, so I had to do yeah, it with a W. Yeah, yeah. There is a company out there called Square Peg with a W, uh, so eventually. But here's the thing. I'm not going to monetize it mm. if that ever came to be. It really is there as a bridge mm. for people to be like, oh, this is interesting. Who's this guy? And then they've got my books. They've got my other podcasts. They've got my Instagram. Yeah, you know what you're I mean? sort of building something around yeah. the so thing. It will never be sponsored yeah, yeah. and it will never be monetized. It's just a bridge. Okay. It's a facade. I'm luring people in with that nostalgia. But if um, Rio's Peri Peri do want to send you some stuff, I'll be there in a heartbeat. I'm sure you'll accept yeah. it. They say, like, they say, oh, here's a ticket. Here's a lifetime supply of Rio's. You have to mention us every five seconds. I'm like, already done, bro. Yeah. Last, absolute last thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. As a fellow podcaster, mm-hmm. is there anything that you want to ask me? I'll be as honest as I can. Yeah. Do you think, have I convinced you on, well, I suppose you haven't really heard the audio yet, but have I won you over on the Shaw sm 7 b This looks a lot more professional than uh, yeah. what I'm used to, so maybe. Fair enough. We'll talk about quotes in a bit. Because no <laughs> I'm sure that'll be enough to put me off. <laughs> <laughs> Three hundred pounder, Mike. Yeah. Sometimes you can get down to two hundred eighty. This yep. itself is about two hundred eighty, two hundred yep. quid. But yeah, yeah, mate. Honestly, pays for itself. Yeah, I mean, this is over a year old. Look at the condition of it. Yeah, you yeah, look yeah. after it. It'll, it'll look after itself. Yeah. So. Nice. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. Appreciate yeah, you. Check out DK Pike. Check out Foville. Keep it bedlam. Mm-hmm. And we'll see you soon. Absolute bedlam. Shanty spirits, based in Bournemouth, UK. Dorset Botanical Seaweed Vodka. So I met these at Bournemouth Air Show two years ago and I wanted to get them on the podcast, which I've done in the previous episode, and I wanted to speak to them and promote their products because I think they're onto a winner. So this is vacuum distilled for fresher flavours. Lots and lots of different seaweeds go into this amazing vodka doesn't taste like the usual stuff that you get from the supermarkets it's got a bit of a sort of story to it and a bit more of a twist it's had some awards and i'm hooking you guys up if you go to www.shantyspirit.com and you type in the code bedlam discount for either 20 cl or 70 cl bottles then you'll get 10 percent off your purchase shanty spirit drink to enjoy Drink responsibly. Absolute bedlam.